Okay, before we get started with this brand new episode for season two, I wanted to quickly remind you that the JMC website is up and running courtesy of my man, Jose Garcia of Odd Curious. JMCpod.com is the website. Check it out. I have all of my interviews right there to listen to. I'm also starting a blog journal section. I'll be sharing some in-depth thoughts. Also, a merchandise section coming very soon. And of course, please show me some love. I have a support section. It'll take you to my bio. Buy me a coffee page, throw me five bucks, I might mess around and buy a coffee. I love you guys. Thank you so much. JMCPOD.com. I'm back, bitches. Um, so as usual, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. You know, my wife and I have had a uh, shit show of a week. Um, actually, you know, I mean, if I'm being honest, the last month and a half or so, it's just been, you know, like a, a rotating, uh, like the wheel of death. That's a little too harsh. I wouldn't say wheel of death. Let's just say wheel of fuckery. Of, you know, just every week it's another kid sick for crying out loud. And on top of that, my wife was sick also. So, you know, this past week, it was just like the cherry on the top. I mean, my son was sick or had migraines at the beginning of the week. Missed school for a couple days. At the end of the week, my baby got a double ear infection. So my wife and I have been hanging on to a thread especially my wife, for crying out loud. Uh, so listen, uh, it goes without saying that I'm, I'm happy to be uh, on this side of the wheel of fuckery. I don't like participating in games beyond uh, my scope of comprehension. I don't know what the fuck that was. Anyway, um, how are you? How are things going in your life? Welcome to episode 45 um, you know, listen, before I get started on this episode, I, I would like to suggest that you guys give me some grace. I will never, ever, 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 ever again, I promise, I will never record another podcast, especially one revolving my, around my journey, when I'm extremely tired. My God, when I listen to episode 44, the Melendez episode, I, I'm sounding like a, like a, a really tired Barry White. I'm just, I'm just all over this mic, baby. I don't, you know, I don't mind giving you a little bass, but I mean, fuck. I was really, really, really tired. I recorded that at 1130 at night. It'll never happen again. I promise. I promise. Uh, anyway, so listen, let's get, uh, let's get to work here, shall we? There's a lot of things I want to get into. Episode 45 is with my friend, a good friend, uh, Todd Smith. I graduated with Todd back in 98 from Catholic High, Lancaster Catholic High. We kept in touch through social media here and there. I've been following him. Uh, and we would see each other, you know, obviously here and there. But I never had a chance to really sit and chat with my man, Todd. He was down to jump on the Journeyman Chronicles. The cool thing about this was that 
he actually invited me to his home. He was having, you know, a, a tough time uh, getting out to the to my house. Uh, he had a lot on his plate. I think his wife, Valerie, was sick that evening. Listen, when it comes to shit like that, I completely get it. Um, and so I just decided, let me step out of my comfort zone. Yes, I will go to your house. So uh, lucky for me, he lived about eight minutes away. Um, so this is the first episode, first interview I've ever done where I'm interviewing somebody at their home. So you're going to tell that the sound, the acoustics, so to speak, are a little different, uh, you know, a little bit. There's a little bit of an echo. We recorded this interview in a really cool um, wine cellar, if you want to call it that. It's it's like a, a, a dope, a little dope uh, custom made wine cellar in Todd's home um, that we just sat over a barrel that said Lancaster Distilleries on it. We'll get into that later in this episode. But we sat over a barrel, had some cocktails. He made me some uh, some ginger concoction. I don't know what the fuck it was. I can't remember the name of it. I'm pretty sure we talk about it in this interview. Anyway, it, it was just a completely different experience, and I loved it. It was cool. It was an organic. This is the first of... Uh, this type of uh, episode I've ever done. And also Todd kind of flipped a script in this episode where he started asking me questions uh, and started kind of interviewing me. And so I, I just went with it. Uh, it's a very laid back conversation. This is probably the most laid back conversation that you'll hear uh, thus far. Uh, because, you know, listen, when I get a couple of drinks, I mean, it's, uh, it becomes a more relaxed environment. We talk about a lot of things here. There's a lot of things that Todd is doing. Um, and I don't want to give away too much, but I will say the there's a, a conversation about mental health that we get into that's, you know, right now what Todd is doing, you know, his wheelhouse is, is just occupied with different elements of uh, mental health and how can we uh, get our arms around that conversation. So we talk about that and many other things that Todd is passionate about and things that we can relate. And obviously we're just two dudes shooting the shit. So look, enough of me talking. Let's get right into it. This is episode 45, Over a Barrel. I am talking with Mr. Todd Smith. Let's go. So let's get started, man. First of all, <clears throat> thank you, man, for bringing me here. Of course. This is awesome. This is the Thanks. first time I'm doing an interview in anybody's home, and your home is beautiful. Thank you. Um, and it's in the cut, too. It's up in the hill, but I had a feeling when I saw it on uh, on the GPS, I was like, oh, I know where we are now. And and I didn't realize it was, you're, you're back here. So yeah. you, you, got, you, you got the nice home up in the hill, but you're not dealing with the traffic, so to speak. Or are you? How's no, that? No, no. I mean, it's a private road, so nobody comes up this way. Yeah. There's only 20 homes, and they're all different. They're all, it's not like, 
Yeah, it's, it's a very unique home. It's beautiful. Yeah, and, and and we're less than four miles from downtown. Yeah. So I feel like um, um I got this like little private environment that I can live in. Yeah. But still, like it's I can jog downtown. Yeah, yeah. That's how I feel too. My wife and I Not both. Not right now, but like at one so, point in time, yeah. I could jog. I could never jog. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe middle school was the last time I jogged. Yeah, but we're close enough where we gotta we gotta go in the town. We can. Yeah. But um, but yeah, but same thank with your you. spot. It's perfect. Like, where else? Yeah, would you it's nice. Be? It's yeah, it's quiet. You got everything. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm 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 super grateful. Um, and obviously, like I love Lancaster City. I've that's my hometown, and sure. I'll go back every now and then and, and check the old stomping grounds. I was, you know, I get my hair cut there and everything. What's but, that like now when you do that? It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, you know, especially like I went. Has, has the work, if your childhood was the baseline, has it gotten better? Has oh yeah, worse? absolutely, okay. absolutely. It's gotten better, but it's it's. I never go back and like thank God I'm out of here. Yeah. I, I never do that. Yeah. I always go back. I actually drive. I, I grew up on the 600 block of Fourth Street, right where Fourth uh, and Coral. Uh-huh meet and like i played there i played in the alley behind there played on george street all the way ruby pearl you yeah, know yeah. and and i drive through there now it's like this place hasn't changed it literally looks the same uh-huh. um but no nah, it's a cool nostalgic feeling for that, me it was at the southeast right yeah uh, northeast, well, northeast. Uh, i think it's southwest isn't it, isn't it, isn't it? Uh, or no i i always thought it was southwest maybe not no i'm trying to get my right there where manor uh yeah, where Kunzler yeah, yeah. hot dog is and all that yeah up yeah. towards i guess that's kind of borderline there yeah i i, I should know it too because uh i mean uh, i when i lived in the city i was like super active in politics i was yeah campaign i ran i was on city council for a couple yeah of years. i remember um, I love that. That was, I mean, like, I don't know many people that leave Lancaster and like that feel any negative way because right. it's such a great place to grow up. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and even today it's, although it's getting like, man, it's getting overpriced, but it's hard to control. I think that's everywhere though. Special. Yeah. That's true. That is true. I mean, I like seeing where, what's going on in Lancaster right now. Um, and I was talking about this a few weeks ago I was interviewing and I was like, you know, I wish this was it's there's so much going on yeah it, it's alive it, yeah. There, and there's so much color and the culture is rich in my opinion more than that i remember or at least i feel like it's it's becoming uh, exposed more where more people are seeing it more. Right. growing up it was always just like you know i always went to saint john the baptist church that was where the only culture experience i have for me was yeah. at church um so now it's just like i wish this was here when i was a kid you know what? I, I I I think we have to give Mayor Gray like way more credit. I mean, it'll come eventually, and he sure. I think he'll always be remembered and, and and respected as like a great leader. But he had such foresight, and and when he first came into office, I don't remember what it was, it was like early two thousands. But he intentionally he, he built out a strategic plan that helped guide his like set the north star for his yeah. kind of his uh, what do you call it uh, um, agenda? No the. What the how did I forget to, I don't know, dude. I'm not gonna be able to move forward until I figure out this word. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to. We might have to call it quits right now. It might have to. It might, his um, admit, not administration, but like his term. Oh, what am I trying uh, to say? Uh, uh, Whatever. His. I think I know what you're you trying to say, but I, I during the beginning of, of his period in office, his tenure, his tenure. Uh, I yes, yeah, I think sure. actually that sounds that like works, the word. That works better. Right? I'm like it's. I'm it's not. not I'm not satisfied by the, <laughs> the answer. I know it's not I wish tenure. You're, you're, it'll it'll hit it. you 40 minutes from now. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna remember by the end of the by the end of the interview. But um, <laughs> Mayor Gray was so intentional. Like as a part of his strategic plan, it was a, a huge investment 
in the downtown culture in the in the art scene like it was very and that single-handedly i'm not even exaggerating if you go back in time and i'm sure there's like economic analysis that sure. were done but that allowed us to weather like the recession in the late 2000s because gotcha. you know there was there was a there was a scene there was a reason for people to come and be and spend money the little money they had at the time but yeah like, it, it and, and people are like during downturns in the economy, people are looking for stuff to do. They're looking yeah. like, let me get out, let me forget about my life right now. Let me go see a show, let me get out and about. And like Lancaster, they they had intentionally been building themselves up with that image. Yeah. And like it was all deliberate. Like you go back and look at his planning, you go back and look at the, I think it was like the strategic partners plan. I think that's their really creative group. They called themselves the strategic partners. That was okay. the name of the company. Fair enough. And oh, I guess it's like, I mean, it's, Kind of like obvious what they do, right? That's yeah. their name. They're, str- they're strategic. <laughs> they're very strategic. They're strategically doing and, things and with partners. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so he did this very intentionally. And, um, you know, Mayor Sirachi certainly like was all like when I was on city council, like it was something we baked into kind of the way of doing business and policy considerations. And and um, it really drove the kind of the downtown recovery and renaissance that you huh. see today. I had no idea, man. That's cool. Yeah. And even like to some of the, the hard part is you got Lancaster County, which yeah. is super Amish. Sure. And you got Lancaster City, which has turned into this like whole vibe. Yeah. And how do you promote the two? I mean, it's like this dichotomy. Like, how do you get that out and voice that in a way? Well, how do you how do you promote the two without the the county part overshadowing? Because yeah. a lot of people from around the country know about the county part. For real. It's yeah. like you say Lancaster, and they're, they're like, like oh, "Oh, the Amish," and I'm like, "No." And then you got to go explaining things, and I'm it's then, the worst. Yeah. I just lie. I say I'm from outside of Philadelphia. Yeah, but even <laughs> I just then. don't want to tell that story because they all have the same stupid jokes. They're like they weren't funny the first. Or are you Amish? Times. Yeah. Do I look anything? Do, do, do I behave in an Amish manner at all? Yeah. Do I am I dressed like an Amishman? Tonight I am. Yeah. No, nah, you're, you're looking like a stud, dude. I like it. Be, I'm trying to be a little hipster. You got your study vibe on. You just Man, need I've a been pipe. Grinding. I, listen. Hey. I can get the pipe. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that that's like uh, it reminds me of my grandfather. He was like this huge pipe smoker. Yeah. And um, well, like tobacco pipe. Yeah. But he had all these crazy carved pipes, different shapes, stuff, and I found one. Uh, he's been dead now since I was in, in high school, but I found one. It's like that and his eyeglasses are like one of my favorite oh, possessions. Yeah. Do you like, ever put them on? Can you? Can you still I can't wear see. Sh- I mean, okay. God damn, man. He is oh, like we can look into a map and see people waving at him. That's how thick. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's a, that's a dad joke number one. But they're thick. I don't even know how anybody could see through yeah. them. To be honest. So let's talk a little bit a little bit more about getting in the uh, politics. Um, we graduated in '98, and for those that don't know, we we went to the same high school. We graduated together, and then of course, typically, uh, I don't know about you. I'm sure you've kept in touch with some friends. I didn't keep in touch with anybody. Not, not many, man. Really? Yeah, like, and it, that, I thought I would, but yeah, not many. That and that's what happens. You don't really. Oh, we're gonna keep in touch, and the next thing you know, fifteen years go by, twenty years go by, and it's like, what? What is anybody doing? But keeping up with you through social media, thankfully we have that. I was aware that you were in politics. Obviously, you're very outspoken. I know lately you've you've kind of like dialed back. I'm not sure that's purposely done. For sure. Um, And and I figured, um, but you, uh, you know, I I always uh, appreciated your posts, and I was always curious about learning about 
when did politics come into your life? When did you decide, let me be a, let me be a councilman? Um, I mean, because I didn't know you that well in high school, but I never saw that unless it was there. And, and I just, like I said, we didn't really talk that much. Yeah. And, you know, high here and there. But Yeah. I think, um, I mean, I think that's just, I think when you get older, you get to, you start to get a little courage and you get to show who you really are. And for me, I mean, I've always been kind of civically minded okay, and um, always wanted to take up for the underdog sure, and make sure everybody had a voice regardless. And I'll tell you where it stems from. I mean, because <clears throat> I, I, uh, I grew up in Columbia, Pennsylvania and my, my backstory, I do like real quick and by no means like to try to elicit any kind of sympathy, but just <laughs> kind of set the foundation go, go for it, man. That's what, what this is of what put this chip on my shoulder yeah. and make me feel, you know, um, that I'm important enough that I can speak on behalf of that many people because I don't feel like that. But okay. but somebody has to do it, and you have to have a certain perspective. I think that's the important part. Okay. And so you know, I'm the I'm the product of a of a teenage mother. My mother, you know, 14 years old. She was Columbia grew up in Columbia. Um, 14 years old, pregnant. 15 years old, married. So she's like a married woman at her at her sophomore homecoming or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then fast forward, she's 18 years old, she had me, and then 19 years old, she's widowed. Right? Mm. 19 years old, two kids. Yeah. Um, uh, tough times, right? So, and I can remember this. I remember like certain certain periods of time really well, others not so much. But then like fast forward 13 years, and my and they and she gets remarried again. And she marries um great human being. And her and him had a daughter and it was like the first or second year of being married. And then the next year, it's like the same thing happened again. Get out. My father had a, you know, he had a heart, my stepfather, my real father, he, had the, he was out partying, you know, I think there's probably some drugs and alcohol involved. Okay. Crashed his car and debt, you know, it's, mm. um, and, sorry. And, and you know, I mean, it's, it's tough. I think, I think it's probably tougher for people that know, that knew their parents or knew their father or their who father's mm. still on this earth. And they can't get they can't get to interface them interface with them because they just don't want to. Gotcha. So so I look at it like that. I you know I, I still have these romantic images in my head of my father, but I can we can talk about that too. Sure. Uh, but then my stepfather passes away, so my mom's now widowed twice. She's like thirty three years old. Wow. Yeah. Um, three kids, two stepdaughters, and like three. Well, two out of the three were like a little not totally wild, but a little wild. Okay. And then two stepkids, and so. You know, I've been through it. I watched my mom work multiple jobs. She was a teenager going to school to get her LPN, working, you know, selling Tupperware. We were delivering phone books. You know, she's picking me up Christmas morning at my grandparents' house because she worked uh, 11 to 7, bringing us home. Mm. She hustled. Yeah. She hustled. And, um, you know, that wears on somebody. That's a lot. She Not only was she, like, emotionally... Be down. She's got her own story too from like her upbringing, which sure. is like there's a lot of trauma there and, and crazy background. But um, so having this having this woman that you that you um, kind of look up to that drives uh, you in a certain way. I mean, I like every. It's funny because every every celebrity I look at, every person I think of that's had like significant success. There's always like a little something. In the in the backstory that causes the chip on sure, the shoulder, absolutely. and a lot of times it's like single moms raising these boys mm-hmm. or you know single parents whatever, 
And so that's, you know, that's where I think, I think that's where it stems from for me because even being young and like not having a father to advocate, like I definitely was taken advantage of sometimes. Okay. You know, I definitely got boy a little bit when we were younger before I could afford any brand name sneakers. Yeah. And so like there's an element to me now as a grown man that I'm wasting a lot of money on yeah. sneakers because you know why? It means something to me. Yeah. It's not necessarily like um, I'm trying to be pretentious or anything, but like this is like to my mom, I'm saying like, hey, you know, thank you because yeah. my mom was relentless in her support of me. Sure. Like relentlessly building me up in a way that you feel like Teflon. Okay. And that's what, you know, that's what moms do anyhow. Mm -hmm. But this, you know, she was like double duty, like lifting me up on a daily basis. So I, you know, by, by the time you get to be a grown up, you start believing some of the stuff they tell you. And now you're resilient. Now you're like, I got such a strong anchor that it doesn't matter what kind of, like what kind of bullshit is thrown at you. You're able to like, you're walking the, you're you're able to walk the path or like chase your dream, whatever it may be. And Mm -hmm. so I got no excuses to be lazy. You know, Mm. I saw this woman, like, like I said, pick me up in the morning, um, you know, treat me like a prince, uh, tell me how much she loved me, make sure I was always provided for. But then she's like going to school. She's, you know, we're literally having Tupperware parties, delivering phone books. She delivered medications like these group homes at night um, on top of her job, on top of the schooling. Like she just hustled, Mm. you know, And, and so you see that for a little bit. In your most formative years, yeah, and I recognize like that's the woman that gave me everything. So I gotta, I gotta stand up for other women like that. I gotta stand up for other, you know, kids like that in that situation. Maybe don't have the courage to be as outspoken, but um, like I've had real life experiences, yeah, real yeah. hard experiences, yeah. and it's you know we're not that different. Like if you think about the variance in between people, the the greatest person you know and the worst, that the variance is so tiny. It's like two or three horrible decisions or two or three terrible yeah. circumstances. Yeah. And all of a sudden we want to judge people. And listen, I'm, I'm thankful I haven't gotten caught for a lot of things I, I've done. Yeah. You know, because it's like it, I'm that close to being a different kind of story. Sure. Different, just like you. Yep. For sure. I know that to yeah. be true. You know, like it's it's some of us just get lucky. Um, and, you know, I've hit this midlife crisis point where, like, I genuinely don't give a fuck about a lot. And I can say that in complete, like, I feel like I have to live my truth. I have to do what makes me happy. I'm not buying any of the nonsense. If you're not here to rock with, if you're going to talk behind my back, then then I'm moving on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm moving on. I got, like, certain goals. There's no more excuses. I'm not, I'm not you know, I'm not... I'm not walking out of the, you know, this life with regrets. And so the zero um, fucks is that you said that just started recently. Have you always been um, that chip on your shoulder that um, and I'm going back to that. Is is that stemming from the chip that was on your the shoulder? The chip's always been there, but yeah. I always knew that you need. Here's the thing. Like they say money doesn't buy happiness. But when you like yeah. when you struggle. Yeah. When you struggle for a long time, it's nice to have stability. Mm-hmm. And that stability creates like some confidence and then opportunity and like then you're then then you're allowed allowed to focus on more than just meeting your daily needs yeah and so i think i've i think i've definitely always had that chip on the shoulder but i took the safe route early okay like i'll tell you you know i i I went to college i studied real hard i joined the military while i was in college to pay for my college i was a surgical technologist in the army okay um i was like in walter reed army medical center during september 11th when we got when we got attacked on september 11th i was in the middle of a surgery in dc 
And as soon as that sur- surgery was over, they like wrapped us up. But anyhow, that's how I paid for my undergraduate degree. Gotcha. And then um, I thought I wanted to go to medical school and I ended up having a, a pretty nasty injury. When I was 21, I put my hand through a window at the village. I don't know if you can see all that scar tissue. You, yeah, I see it from here. Yeah, so a uh, bunch so, of knucklehead behavior. Okay, so it wasn't an accidental hand through the window, was it? I uh, mean, it was. I certainly didn't plan on having this much damage. You know, <laughs> I still have very little feeling in this palm. Jeez, till right now. Yeah, yeah, still to this day. Okay, like, wow, you can yeah. See all the scar tissue, and I mean, there all 11 tendons were severed. There's like two uh, arteries there, or two nerves, one artery. Everything was severed. So I was in like 12 hours of surgery. Anyhow, that's yeah. whatever. But, that, but that's why I paid for my undergrad. Gotcha. And then when I when I did that, I realized like I couldn't even hold a surgical instrument anymore. Okay. So the doctor would be like scalpel and I, I wouldn't be able to pick it up because gotcha. I had no feeling in that hand. And so I I took my LSAT my, right before my senior year, which you need to get into law school. And I ended up getting into law school with the City University of New York. And I went up there because like it's it's one of the it's the kind of the preeminent uh, public interest law school in the country. So focus on like public needs, pub, like the single mothers of the world. Yeah. You know, I think that's yeah. just going to be like a, a theme in my life. You sure. Because it's telling me to do important. Work. Right. So I went up there. I did like I worked at Main Street Legal Services, which was like batter women's rights, children's welfare, immigration rights. And, and and as a side note, it'd be ama- you'd be amazed to see how often those three things kind of commingle because okay. a lot of times, especially in New York City, and this was in Queens, yeah, yeah, people move to the U.S. think they're gonna get citizenship, you know, get married to somebody, have a child with them, and then they start to get ab- they start to get abused, mm. and all of a sudden, like all three of these worlds collide. So it's complicated. It's a complicated area of law, and so I was working there and ended up having a. <laughs> Ended up having my daughter. First of all, I was miserable in law school from okay. day one. I was I hated it. I felt like I would have been kind of a good practicing lawyer, like a trial lawyer, but I was I had no discipline for all the other stuff. So why'd you even entertain it then from the beginning? I wasn't ready. Oh, okay. I wasn't ready to be a grown up. So you were trying to find something. I was figuring out. I mean, still. Yeah. Today, who's not right? Like we, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'll still be- figuring it out. And that's why I love what you're... Can I tell you something? Yeah, tell me, That's man. why I love what you're doing. Because... Not that you... Not that you are still figuring no, it out. I hear, I am. But because... 100%. You're, yeah. But you're so talented in this world. Oh, thank you. You know, even when we were younger, I mean, Flex. Yeah. Uh, the MC. Like, you you always have this... You have this... Like, you just carry this big persona. Oh, thanks. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. But but that's why it's, in, it's endearing. Because yeah. I don't think you're like... You're not like absorbed by it, right? But I'm you not, have yeah. a personality. You have uh, plenty of talents, but you have this persona. Where when I found out you were doing this, I texted you. I was like, "Hey, man, this is like this is perfect." Yeah, I remember because this is the world that I feel like you would thrive in, and then you're consistent. Yeah, and so I'm like, man, I'm happy to be here because I think there we might be at episode 125, you know, and and we're gonna be talking about like. You know, way back when, yeah, when you first started grinding, but it's important. The one of th- one of the things I'm learning is once you find something, and I'm and this is what I'm telling my kids. And the irony is, you know, my daughter is in college, and you know, she's starting to get the the cold feet, so to speak. And that's wild too. Yeah, and I'm like, you know, my wife and I, uh, 
my wife and I have two little girls of our own. And then obviously my two oldest from my first marriage. But my wife embraces my two oldest like they're her own, yeah. which I'm grateful for. That's why I've always wanted that. But she she and I talked with her and, and, and my daughter, Kirsten, her boyfriend, they were sitting there trying to just let them know, like, you're you're not going to ever really know what you want to do. But yeah. don't stay stagnant. Just keep doing something and then open doors to other That's things. That's the best advice you yeah. can possibly give. If anything, you're exploring what you really want to do. You're trying right. to find it. Right. Just live this life and do shit. But don't just sit here and fuck around for you know, five years because five years turns into 20 really quick. And also you're building these terrible habits of fucking around. Yeah. Like get up and do something. Right. Get up and explore. Like I pray to God that my kids have like endless curiosity throughout their career. Right. You know, I've, I've managed to stay kind of in a, in like the same vertical, but get to do it in a different way in new areas and, and, and new ways. And like, I, I really appreciate that part of what I do for, on the professional side of things, which sure. is marketing. Yeah. But like marketing in a biotechnology world where things are constantly innovating, things are constantly changing. You got to deliver information in a different way. You got to be more creative than the next person. And, and like it, not all things are equal. Like some of these companies have billions and billions of dollars. You're competing with a company with billions and billions of dollars, you know, to yeah. whatever gain market share. I, sure. The Listen, politics of it start to come into play. For, um, for well, like definitely the economics of it, yeah. you know. But but uh, and I love it because it's one of those things that I feel like I get to because my political stance is one way. Yeah, you know, like I have these really strong political leanings, and then I get to I get in the same reason I ran for city council because I'm not just going to sit around, and bitch. Yeah, that's easy. That's fun. It's easy. Yeah, but like when you get in, when you get into the machine and try to change stuff. Like city council, for sure. example. When you get in the machine, like the pharmaceutical industry, and we're launching products, you realize like it's hard, man. It's hard. Like there's systems, and if I, I mean, I can wax poetic about this for like for the next yeah. two days. But like, <laughs> I, do you ever see the the, the movie the uh, Stanford Experiment? Uh, no. So it's like uh, this guy, Doctor Zimbardo. He was a Stanford psych uh, psychologist. He was a psychology professor. And so he ran this experiment, the Stanford experiment, where he basically created a, an ad hoc prison in the basement of the um, of the uh, psychology building okay. on campus. And so it's, I, I don't know the numbers for sure. I don't know all the data, but I'm just going to make some shit up so I can okay. tell the story. Sure. So say he had 100 people that he recruited for this experiment, right? It's a social experiment. 75% of them or 75 of them or 80 of them were prisoners. And then he picked 20 and, he, and, and they were the correctional officers. Okay. And then he took, you know, like an actual rule book or a policy book from like a prison and gave it to this, gave it to, gave it to them. And this is how they operated the prison. He gave he, it to the... He gave it to the, the 100 prisoners or the 100, the 80 prisoners and the 20 correctional officers. Oh, he gave them all the... the... So they had the book. They knew the policies. Oh, okay. Okay. Fair the enough. The correctional yeah. officers knew the policies. This is, this is how prisons run. This is how they operate. Right. This is the structure. These are the policies. You know what I'm saying? And um, so we gave that to them. And and over time, like the prisoners are are get like in riots and they're fight physically in altercations with these correctional officers. And it's their like fucking classmate. Yeah. It's like the guy that sits next to him in psychology class. OK. And so they're fighting. They're getting there's these uh, physical encounters. And then this guy, Dr. Zimbardo, who, you know, kind of oversaw the project 
I guess he had a girlfriend or something was down another school when she came up and uh, she was also a professor and she went down to observe looking for her boyfriend, like observe the, the, the basement. And what she realized like this, everyone was going batshit crazy. So yeah. she ran back to Dr. Zimbardo was like, you know, Dr. Zimbardo, this was happening down there. I'm sure she didn't call him Dr. Zimbardo. Sure. And that's was like a weird <laughs> fetish thing. <laughs> I know. And he only wore the white coat. He got coat. distracted for a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but she goes and she goes and she tells him, she's like, hey, this is going on. And he's like, oh my gosh, what? There's an uprising at the prison? So like even this guy that's overseeing the project like lost sight. And my whole point in going off on this, on this large tangent yeah. is like, it's about the system. Yeah. Like there's a system that exists and it doesn't matter how good of a person you are or I am or what, or what your intentions are. You take that person, you stick them in the system long enough, they're going to kind of assimilate yeah. and they're going to become this shithead, you know, they just want to keep that position. They're not here for the, you know what I'm saying? And that's gotcha. like, you know, that just, I, I don't know where I was going, but that, that like, I think that's a really important thing to recognize because mm-hmm. it's not just, it's not just like, um, the prison system. It's like systems in general. Like we're, our whole country is comprised of systems. So you think about yeah. like the housing system. You think about, um, you know, uh, like uh, education. All these different systems. That's that's why there's such disparity in this country. Right. Because these systems were built, you know, with the intention to discriminate or to like take advantage of people. So this, the more powerful can like benefit from it. Sure. And so like this, there's this world that we got to recognize that the the political system the housing system the banking system whatever they're all they're based on this kind of um underlying uh dogma that started you know with the intention of discriminating against certain people taking advantage of certain people. yeah um when you when you talk about the system uh and you talk about people not being aware it's almost like taboo to be aware because the system has beat it you know when someone starts to talk about being aware other people are just like oh because yeah. the system has beat that into you feel that the uh, I'm trying to go back to the chip that's on your shoulder Um, this obviously is playing a role through different facets of your life and and obviously you mentioned uh, the military and you you mentioned um, uh, going for a a law degree uh, that you weren't your heart wasn't there yeah for lack of better terms, but it's, I'm assuming the chip on your shoulder was, I'm going to, that's the reason why you started going. Yeah. Um, I would think, uh, getting into politics, obviously speaking for the underdog. Um, do you think that the chip on your shoulder is aiding you in, uh, you're connecting and understanding people of color, minorities, people that are dealing uh, dealing with uh, discriminati- uh discrimination like you mentioned yeah. uh, we can talk about the LGBTQ community we can are you do you feel that that experience as a boy watching your mom hustle and uh, the chip on your shoulder put you in a position where now you can connect without really having to try it seems like you automatically lock in with people yeah so um 
First of all, I, I don't think I could ever. Sp- so, so here's the here's the hard thing, and I, I and I and I genuinely feel like this is like if we can solve the root cause of this problem, I think this will be a different planet. But I, I could never I could never sit here and say like I have the perspective of a minority in any situation. Sure. Right? Well, I mean, I, I've been the minority in situations because I like to party and I've been out and about and I got you know a big group of friends and I've been a knucklehead at times and like yeah, you know whatever. Um, but I feel like I've definitely been in a position of, uh, of less power or in an economic position where I felt super disadvantaged. I was taken advantage of like plenty of times. Like I used to think that, um, you know, it was more about the economics, like discrimination was more about the economics and there just so happened to be a disproportionate number of minorities in a lower economic bracket because of these systems that I talked about. Because sure. of history creating this environment from redlining to like yep. all these like really meaningful things. These are real, this yeah. is real shit. I'm not like- That were done just, on purpose. This was done on purpose. Right. Like they, they didn't lend kind of business capital to minorities in certain communities. Like this was all real. Um, but I feel like I've either been aware or I've also had a lot of my minority friends as a kid growing up and like, saw how differently okay i was treated than others sure because i'm like yeah you know brown hair blue eyes i can do the yes ma'am yes sir thing i can do that like and i can, i mean that's important to me i got my mother yeah like, a good home training she's mag but like i there's this there's this um you know it's not the same i got the chip on my shoulder but if me and like uh, an immigrant or, or an african-american Grew up in the same exact circumstances, I'd still be well, you know, way better off. Okay. I, I I understand that. So when I say I have a chip on the shoulder because of these things that I grew up with, I also recognize that it's still not the same. Sure. And this is what I was going to tell you. So I think at the core of like the cantankerous Republican right mm-hmm. is a group of probably hardworking white men. Who grew up in really difficult circumstances and made better for themselves. Sure. And have like improved or gotten found some way to lift their, you know, their their uh, family out of a generational cycle. They did that. They hustled, they made sacrifices, they grinded, they took risks, they put up money, they had sleepless nights. All that shit is real. i I feel it now. I yeah. do like I go through it. I have business, I know what it feels like. So there's this effort associated with that. And there's this sacrifice associated with that. And I think what happens is when we start talking about the racial implications on history, they think that effort and that um, work is diminished in some way. And so I can, what I want to say is I I can recognize those people work hard, but if, again, if like a minority, an immigrant, um, you know, Hispanic or African-American was in that same position, I think the opportunities would be different. Yeah. I, I just genuinely do. But at the same time, I don't want to tell this, you know, the, 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 and I shouldn't call them contagers. That's me being divisive. And I want to, I do want to, I want to evolve past that. Sure. I do. I'm not good at that. I get a little childish and that's all right. Cause I'm fucking childish. Sometimes. It's all good. We all are. Bro. Yeah. But, but, but I'm saying like that is, um, I think at a core of a lot of the issues because one man's plight is being held up to a higher kind of this one's more important than sure. this other plight 
And guess what? Life is really fucking hard. Yeah. It's hard, man. Like, it wasn't hard when we were in high school. Yeah. Now being a grown man, like, nothing's easy. No, Nothing. No, it's, everything's great. It's There's a different, no, yeah. It's hard. So we got to recognize that it's hard for everybody and not say, like, it's only hard for me. Right. There can be varying levels of, of difficult, but I think until we get to that point, we're never going to have, like, we're never going to be evolved enough to actually make genuine progress yeah that's the part where i feel like and i'm right there with you i am getting to the point in my life and it scares me where i'm like i don't know if that can ever be because to your point when you say wait a minute i have my trials and tribulations i put the effort in it's being minimized Right. You know, Spot and on. it's like, it's like, no, we're not saying that. I think that conversation never really, we miss you can, it, you can right? never get your arms around it. We miss it. All and the it's time. almost like a cycle of like every election year, everybody tries to like put their arms around this conversation. It's like, what, what can it take yeah. for everybody to be like, okay, I see what you're saying, but there's another, there's another side to this story. Can we at least take a look at that and acknowledge that it's there. No doubt. And I think you pegged it. Because, so, you know, I talked about uh, leaving law school. I had my daughter, but my I, when I joined corporate America, I got into biotech and I was working for a company. They paid me to go get my MBA. They paid for the degree. Oh, wonderful. Paid for it. So I didn't have to like no more loans for me. Yeah. But um, there's this concept called the WIFM. You know, what's in it for me? <laughs> okay. Right. And at the end of the day, I think that's what we all... Okay. That's yeah. what we all kind of hear. Yeah. And that's how we all kind of behave because we're looking for like, you know, you're not listening. What about me? Yeah. Like the what? A, there's a, another comedian is like a whole, and he's like a PG-13 comedian. It's called the me monster. It's like me, me. What about me? What yeah. about me? My, yeah. my thing was harder. My thing was this. My thing, yeah. You know. Yeah. It's, I wonder if that's, if that's upbringing where it's like, aren't you, are we, not everybody is, is built to look at life like that like i know i talking with you i know that we can relate on that where it's like i immediately i can have moments in my life where i'm like look it is what it is suck it up let's rock and roll but i'm also very aware that there are different levels that we need to be aware of and that's because of my experience that's because of my upbringing that's because especially with my mother it was yeah. like let you know are we not Tell me about that. Man. Education. You, you're always asking the question. So like, What's that? There's something that few. I told you about how I how I perceive you in like yeah. a super positive way. I, I appreciate that. I always really, yeah, really like you. I Likewise. Think it, like I always appreciate the kind of guy that you were. I'm, I'm like, what's what's that backstory? <laughs> my my backstory. Some, you're chasing. You're you're not gonna sell. Oh, my backstory. I I don't. It, it, it's similar to yours in a way where my mom really was. Um, the driving force for me where um, it needs to get done. That's mm -hmm. the theme here. It needs to get done. Um, so I watched my mom do that. And um, my parents divorced when I was, uh, oh my God, like a year after high school. So, but I saw it coming. Yeah. Well, so I can, and not to interrupt you because I certainly no, don't want to minimize the story. It's like if they divorced the year after high school, they must have been like thinking about it. And oh, yeah. For years. So you probably like, or like not to be play psychotherapist. No, it's all good. Your formative years probably saw like the worst of that relationship. Oh, no. Yeah, well, I always joke around, and, and I don't mean to joke because I don't like minimizing 
that part of my mom and my dad's life. Yeah. But I, even with my mom, I'll talk to her and I'll say, you know, I can count on my hand how many times I saw my parents affectionate yeah. towards one another. Yeah. Where me and my wife, my kids see it hundreds of times a day. Because you're like you, you're aware of what it, what it meant. Yeah. 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 The strength of my mom, my father. I idolized him because he was a workhorse yeah. and he was stoic. And then as I got older, I started to realize this isn't really a good quality when you're not giving anything else. You're hiding, it's the you're, worst, man. you're harboring. You to see your parents as humans uh, and like it's, all, the circle, yeah. all the shit. Yeah. I tell that to my daughter all the time. I said, it's the hardest thing in the world, but it's a blessing. I said, one of the greatest things my mom ever did for me at a young age and it was difficult, but now I appreciate it, was that my mom was vulnerable at a young age with me where she showed me that she was just a woman. Yeah. And, it, you know, as a child, it meant I had to see my mom break down. I had to see my mom scream and yell at us just to come back and apologize. Yeah. But my mom was dealing with things that she couldn't understand, you know. And so now as an adult, and I'm dealing with I got anxiety, I'm dealing with stress, and I'm trying to understand shit, and I'm going, I get it. And that goes back to understanding it, understanding the room. Yeah, like, yeah. like there's people that don't want to understand the other side. It's like, I had compassion at a young age. At 16, I remember understanding that I couldn't get what I wanted, mm-hmm. and I was at peace with it. I had a, a bedroom in the basement of my house, and my dad was supposed to build the walls to give yeah. me privacy and yeah. it never happened so i would just put curtains up yeah you know like i would rig up walls in my room but i understood i got it i understood and i think that's always been something with me where i i understand that there's more to the story here and we need to that and that's really the premise of the fucking podcast is how yeah. can we get to know other people so we can hear things that go can i, can I, can I tell you what i love about like the journey man because it's about like it's the journey. Yeah. Our life as a journey. Yeah. There's no like race. You're not there's no fucking prize at the end of the There is no end. It's a nothing. constant journey. It's a so in the journey and listen, this is another old man thing that's happening to me. Like I told you, I have my midlife crisis. I went out. I'm there, dude. My motorcycle license. <laughs> well, and there I started you go. making terrible decisions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but it's the it's like I'm at a point now where I know for whatever chapter two is post COVID for the balance of my yeah um, uh, my existence I'm a I don't I want to skip past the pleasantries I want to connect with you as a human yeah and get right to it I would like are you worth my are you worth my, and, not, and not to be not in an arrogant way but like I am terrible with like like we can't talk about sports every day right. I want to I want to hear goals and dreams and like what what is the thing that you you know regret not chasing and like the important stuff and feel like and and also like start to be better in touch with just like emotions and stuff like that because I'm like I'm a hustler I hustled yeah. my whole life I had a million different jobs yeah you know while I was on city council I was also a pharmaceutical rep during the day and I also sold used cars in Columbia Pennsylvania wow like never stopped yeah and so now I'm like. You know, I chased this moment and then you realize you like chase it just to fucking not do anything and like right. be present and try to learn how to be present. And that's the hard thing for a lot of people, though, is yeah. to learn how to be present. 
and be compassionate and empathetic. Right. And like look at and, and I say this all the time and I start to feel like I'm making it cliche, but like when I see faces like on the street, even I was just in New York for a meeting and I was like the homeless people, like there's a really deep story. Yeah. And they and it's just as equal in weight to me. Yeah. And we don't do that shit anymore because, again, we're in our tribal camps because we're all, you know, the amygdala is on fire and we're like fight or flight. Let's fucking, you know, go find the tribe and attack these other people that are not like us. Like I'm I'm trying to be beyond that. I'm trying to yeah. be like exist at this meta level. Yeah. Which no, sounds corny, it. but I'm being serious about it. Not I'm, corny at all, dude. I'm trying to be really aware. And COVID, I think, kind of accelerated that because I got to start to connect with my kids in a different way. Sure. And um, the other thing is, you know, and, and, and I don't know if it's like a next, if this is an okay thing to talk about, like Anything. my new job. So I took this job to lead the launch of what could be the first FDA approved psychedelic yes. medication. All right. Yeah. Let's talk about that. And it's MDMA assisted therapy to treat post-traumatic stress disorder. And because, because I'm the head of marketing, I'm the launch lead. So I have to coordinate this plan to launch, to commercialize this product um, under my boss, who's who's like our chief commercial officer, Joy Sun Cooper, who's amazing, super brilliant, and like this work, like everybody has a personal conviction to this work, but it's it's really kind of, you know, forcing me to reevaluate a lot of things, mm. and um, most importantly, like how my childhood has shaped, like all my terrible decisions as an adult, all my bad habits, all my like idiosyncrasies and quirks all that shit but um also like boy there is so many people there's like this ripple effect of mental health disorders sure especially like everybody grew up with trauma Mm -hmm. in some way i think about minority communities like we're only 70 years removed from brown versus the board of education Mm -hmm. so like our grandparents were in school or great-grand... Like, it's not that far away. Yeah. Grandparents in school during sure. integration, which you can imagine wasn't friendly. Right. You know, so there's trauma there. And what happens? Hurt people hurt people. So, like, you have these people that were traumatized and caused this hyperactive amygdala, right? And um, so their, their default kind of system and how they operate, the baseline's all jacked up. Because they feel like they're always, always under attack. You know, that's what post-traumatic stress disorder is. Like your amygdala is always, you know, on the brink. You're always about to re-experience this trauma. And so like, and then your body has a response to these traumatic events. Gotcha. And um, which what the psychedelic um, renaissance will do, it'll allow kind of a a vehicle to exercise. And this is going to sound super nerdy, but I'll be able to explain it pretty simply, I think be able to exercise neuroplasticity so think about this like you're a skier and you're going down a hill you know over and over again and there's like all of a sudden there's these there's these tracks in the snow okay and they get hardened and that's the track and all of a sudden that's your that's your default that's the track i'm going to go down it's already there yeah it's easy well our brain operates the same way you think about like when you type, I mean, I type every day, all day, and I haven't gotten faster at typing in like 30 years. <laughs> I still yeah. type with like three fingers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and the reason being is because your brain gets to a point where you're like, this is enough. Gotcha. I'm not, I'm not going to, that's my default. My gotcha. default. Our brains create these shortcuts, you know? So the way you respond to anger, you have a shortcut. Like I respond to it the same way. 
the way I respond to this thing, I, I do it the same way every time. Yeah. And so what the psychedelic renaissance is allowing is like basically like a fresh layer of snow over the over the ski slope. Okay. Or I should have used a fucking ice hockey. That would have been a better but metaphor. It'd been like a zamboni going there you, around there you an go. ice skating rink. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Right, and and, and allowing for us as grown and grown people to create with, new. With, yeah, with 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 stronger executive functioning, but to create better responses, reactions, and nice. so we're able to now. You know, when we go through these psychedelic therapies, it it basically inhibits your amygdala. Allows you to spend time with these traumatic events, these memories, whatever it may be, in a normal, um, you know, healthy way and process them without the amygdala being hijacked. So you're able to create this new path with, you know, these new, yeah, um, whatever, uh, ice skating, whatever. <laughs> my, new my, tracks. I got too many fucking metaphors. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? New tracks. <laughs> new tracks, whether it's in the ice. See, I'm, I'm terrible with metaphors. I should just... <laughs> Well, you're excellent with it because you got four different ones going. But you understand what I'm saying. So <laughs> no, like, I understand exactly this, what you're saying. It allows for us to like start over again. We can now start over again. And man, how important is that to so yeah. many people? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Because we're all like, you know, we, we all got problems from our six-year-old selves. Mm-hmm. You know, we all do. We all got like, there's some level of fuck-uppery in our, in our childhood. That has contributed to our bad habits as an adult. I know sure, that. Sure. You know, I've been through some traumatic experiences. I told you, two fathers. You know, my mother's been through some tra- crazy traumatic experiences. Like, there's a reason people behave the way they behave. Right. And so, like, how do we process those really hard experiences in a normal way and 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 um, kind of get rid of that omnipresent trauma, that omnipresent sure. anxiety, that omnipresent sure. depression, whatever it is. How do we kind of rewire this the 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 situation and how we respond to certain triggers? So essentially, people are creating these shortcuts that aren't healthy. Is yeah. that a safe way of saying? Oh, of course, yeah. And it's it's a it's a it's a way to help buffer the reset. Where you taught like a whole neuroscience, you know, or or, or I should say like neuropharmacology uh, course in in like a sentence, right? There. No, 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 no. But I I appreciate that. Uh, and I tell you what else I'm appreciating is this right here. It's good, right? This is a, what is this again? This is a this segment of the podcast is brought to you by Lancaster Distilleries. Yes. Lancaster Distilleries, your hometown free delivery and um, full service uh, cocktail oh my, provider. Free delivery, I free did delivery not... within ten miles of downtown Lancaster. Okay, so Lancaster Distilleries has a free delivery within vodka, ten mile radius. Gin. Mm. So so two vodkas, a gray vodka that's better for your liver. Gin, three gins. We got a, that's the rose geranium, which everybody loves. It's delicious. This is great. It's good, right? I'm, I can't stop drinking it. Three, drink more. You're not drinking any. You need to catch up. Listen, man, I had a long day. So like that was first. <laughs> should, we, should we call? I nailed that. Holy I, shit, you I did. nailed that cup. Okay, look, look at me. I'm eating my words. His, Listen, what um, is this called West, again? Uh, Moscow uh, Mule. This Moscow Mule is half full Todd's is empty. I'm clowning him, but he killed it already. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You were saying. I don't even know what I said. 10 mile radius. You got vodka. Free you delivery. Got gin, free yeah, delivery. Yeah. How did you get involved in Lancaster Distillery? Let's go there because oh. I wasn't expecting to see. I remember you starting to throw it out there on social media. Yeah. And I was like, what What does this guy not do? So I tell you, there's like a theme in everything. Like my, my whole thing is about like, like awareness 
um, and, and, and kind of like a different level of consciousness. Okay. It sounds cheesy, but starting <laughs> with like, let's fucking learn. Let's, yeah. let's try not to be dumb. Let's yeah. try not to be like, it's not a race to the bottom. Um, and, and so the thing I lo- always loved about, so Zotropolis is where it started. Okay. I came back to Lancaster. I invested in a recording studio with my neighbor up the street, Mike Newman, okay. with the engineer, Mike Musser, um, my, my current partner, Matt Moss or Matt Hostetter. And, um, we re- renovated the sugar tank recording studio, which is an FM 97 studio. Okay. Still have it. It is so dope right now. We just went through another round of renovations. We have a guy, Levi Schlosser there that, that runs the studio and he is doing such a fantastic job, Okay, but it's hard. Recording studios are hard. Yeah. COVID made it even worse. Absolutely. Because everybody is like now downloading software and able to record at home. But we have this great environment that we're trying to like create like more of a flex space where we do shows and okay. we were doing it before COVID. But anyhow, so Matt Hosser and I had the sugar tank and we... We were renovated it. We, you know, had our grand opening, and we had acts coming in and recording, and we also were doing shows. Um, and I, the, the way we got the show is a whole cool story, but I'm not gonna talk about that now. Why not? Because boring. It's not as fun. <laughs> um, but but Matt and I, we started. There's people coming in, like the creatives, the people you know. Yeah. They're brilliant, but they're brilliant in a way that's not uh transferable to dollars and cents okay they're creators yeah yeah they these yeah. amazing you for example yeah like you got this thing that you can do that it's hard to monetize yeah if you if it was easy to monetize you'd have done that shit 25 absolutely. years ago whatever absolutely so it's hard right and so we were meeting all these people creators sculptors painters musicians and I and I told you Teva sent me to go get my MBA. Matt was a finance guy. He was actually a hippie disguised as a finance guy. Okay. And um, so we <laughs> we started meeting and we started talking to him like, oh, how can we help you monetize your 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 uh, your art, whatever it is? How can we allow you to make a living off chasing your passion? And so that's where it started. And we were thinking about like, okay, who can we get out go out because he has access to like he's kind of from an environment he knows a lot of old money. Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Uh, he's a hard worker. Like he's a real good dude. He's not that kind of sure. like, bum. But um, and I was like a hustle. I got like I can't be. I got I got this insecurity. I got to be a somebody. I got to be a somebody. You're constantly moving. Got to do something. And um, so like we connected, and you know, so I knew we had this kind of source of capital that we could pull. And um, I had met Trent Kinney, and Trent Kinney. I didn't even know who he was at first. Um, his brother was Taylor, the actor at, on Chicago Fire, and I yes. didn't. I didn't even. I had no idea when I first met him, but him and I just kind of connected, okay, like, we, in a really cool way, and we're still really, really tight like, today. And um, he actually was looking at the house I was living in at the time to buy, and uh, we ended up. My wife knew his wife. We ended up going to a birthday thing, and then we ended up both working in Philadelphia, and we would take the train together. Okay. And every day we take the train, we'd be spitballing ideas like, man, I can't do this forever. I can't do this grind forever. I got to do something. Mm. Right. I got to, you know, I got to find like my own passive income stream. And so I took him, I was thinking about it. I, I talked to Lee Lindsay, who is the matriarch of Zotropolis, who's an amazing human being who I trust in so many different ways. She's just a wise, wise, like, um, special individual that, that I'm glad I have access to. Gotcha. And and she started Zotropolis in 1996, which was like an art house theater. Okay. 
And so as a member of Sugar Tank, Matt and I, um, you know, we're thinking about things to invest in. And then on a separate conversation, Lee's daughter and my daughter were friends and I oh, okay. always loved Zotropolis. And Zotropolis to me was like this beloved brand. Yeah. Because it didn't give a shit about anything but it but but being authentic and about um its mission. Yeah. It didn't it didn't matter about gotcha. the, the, the ROI. Yeah. And so I love that. And I'm my back of my mind, I'm thinking like we could that's something that is like that I want to be a part of and I want to show that that can be profitable and you know you can kind of combine basically your your personal philosophy your politics and your business mm-hmm. you know because there's this old school saying you keep your voter voting card your voter card in your right pocket and your wallet in your left or something okay so anyhow i'm like unapologetically combining my interests my my business investments sure um my professional career all in like unapologetically yeah and talked to Lee. Lee was like, "Yeah, let me talk to my partners." And her partners, uh, Nate Nate Boring, who's our head distiller, who's like the ultimate most talented. He should teach a man class. I always joke about it, but Why he's like, that? he just like, what do you, what aren't you good at? Tell me one thing you're not good at right now. Uh, plumbing. Yeah, so Nate will come over to your house okay, okay. and plumb the shit that you can't <laughs> fucking figure out. That's Nate. <laughs> Nate makes you feel insecure because I'm like, <laughs> Nate's that guy. Like, dead serious plumbing. Don't give your wife uh, Nate's number because she's going to be like, forget yours. I'm going to call Nate. Nate will figure it out. <laughs> Nate's that guy. Yeah. And his wife is brilliant. She all, His wife is has such um, kind of conviction. So Lee, the matriarch, she is just okay. a loving spirit, right? That doesn't, full of empathy, full of compassion, is there for everybody. Okay. We'll make sure, if anybody in her presence is not hungry, is not like unhoused, any of those things. Yeah. Nate is this creative kind of, just grew up in a way that had to figure out shit himself. And and he makes me feel like, oh shit, I'm a fucking terrible man. Like yeah, I, I, I got you. And, and then Chela is this just unrelenting um focus on uh advancement and progression and and equality and so like all the programming that zootropolis was doing is was around this like any film any speaker any music act any it had to serve a certain mission okay right sure and so i like met these people and i was like these are my people my my skill set is a little different i'm probably way more high strong than them and i'm the business guy i'm the like the dollars and cents like put it in a spreadsheet but like I feel like I found the perfect team. Yeah. Right. And then so Nate, who is the do everything, do anything guy, he had been like distilling liquors for like fifteen, how many years at this point? And liquor licenses at the time were like four hundred grand, four hundred fifty thousand. This is when all the grocery stores were competing over them because the, the sheets, the gas stations were snatching up. A restaurant liquor license became really kind of high value. And, um, so we were like, shit, this is, we bid on a couple, we bid like three fifty on one. We had the financing all set up, but like nobody wanted to hear it. So we were like, oh my gosh, we could get a $4,500 distillery license, but that means we have to distill. And Nate, and Nate has always wanted to do that. And Nate was like uh, advocating for it. And he's like, let's do it. Okay. Let's do it. I want to do this. I want to quit my job and I want to do this. And so we started you know, we opened in April of 2019. We had nine months. By month six, we were profitable. Jesus. We were making our own liquor to provide at our own bar. Um, 
you know, Nate, it wasn't to the level of like Nate could quit his job yet, but then COVID happened and shut us all down. Yeah. And so Zotropolis and Lancaster Distillery is like, so, you know, we have a restaurant, a theater and mm-hmm. an distillery. Well, two of those three, you know, gotcha. the legs of the stool were taken out from underneath yeah. us. So we jumped in the distillery during COVID and, um, you know, Chela like over a weekend built an e-commerce site and all of a sudden, you know, we're pushing, uh, we're, we're filling a gap when the state stores closed and we had people coming in and we, and we offer like, we offer like a full, really sophisticated cocktail experience. I know it sounds cheesy, but, and I, and at first it sounds cheesy coming out of my mouth, but like, I really appreciate it as a, as an older guy. I don't know. It's cheesy like, at all. It Absolutely. takes the thought out of it. Like, yeah. oh, here's my mixer. Here's my syrup or here's my bitter. Here's yeah. my, and then here's the, the spirit. Yeah. And we do all that now and help you coordinate it. And so we've been off and running for that and we're about to expand. We just got 5,000 square foot uh, warehouse in Columbia, Pennsylvania, which we're about to expand into, about to launch a marketing campaign mm. in the fall. But the best part about it is like the way it's not about the business. It's not about, it's genuinely, and I can say this like as earnestly as possible. It's not about the ROI at this point. It's about take care of the people on the way up as we build. Yeah. Making sure our people feel cared about, considered, even the ones that we have to fire. Mm. Like it's not just a termination. We're seeing them through. If they need therapy, we're trying to connect. If they need this, we're trying to connect. Like we're do- gotcha. And so, um, and that's the whole team's mission. Mm. So we're trying to show you that you can do business in a way that's people first. Sure. You know, and still be profitable. So and- even even and not to cut you off, but even through this whole process, one of the things I'm noticing is that through all your different ventures the the mental health the quality of life mentally yeah is a high priority i mean for what's you. worse what's I, wor- no, absolutely what's worse than being taken advantage of for no reason sure for just you know a the way you look b the way you speak c where you're from d how much money you know pick a cross section yeah what's worse because I was made to feel a certain way a lot of times in life. I was sure. taken advantage of a lot of times in life. When you say you were taken advantage of, what do you mean? Like what, what? I mean, just the way I was spoken about, just the way my mom was spoken about in certain certain situations. Um, not having the dad to be there to tell the coach, like, wait a second, my son's the best hitter on the team. He should be in the All-Star gotcha. team, not your son. Gotcha. Like, just and, and just getting made fun of for having you know rock and the pro cads and couldn't even get the Chuck Taylors at that point. Okay, like there's just a lot of um, uh, the way teachers would talk to me at, at certain times because they felt they could get away with it when I was you know just all kind yeah. there's all kind of stuff. The circumstance in which you were in was used against you. Yeah, hundred percent. Gotcha. You know, taking advantage of a lot of ways. Sure. Some like that I'll probably never share, but that I that I have that were sure. like. You know, people thought they could get away with things. Right. And that, I'm here and I'm like living my life to say, no. Right. This is like what you did had has an impact. Like you're not getting away with shit because we're, you know, sunlight is the greatest disinfectant. Mm. We're going to, we're going to shine light on it. We're going to figure out this, like the same thing, like the political discourse right now. Once we figure out what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> once yeah. we figure out how much we're being manipulated. Right. And like how certain you know, death panels, boom, that's like a serotonin jack, you know, hijack my amygdala and all of a sudden I'm acting stupid. Like I need to go back and like march on Harrisburg because you're making me wear a mask to my, right, to my, right. you know, that kind of bullshit. Yeah. Let's be better, man. Let's like think about, let's, let's, let's be aware. 
And so I feel like I have all this like real life human experience. I've been through a lot. Yeah, one of the things I love about this particular interview is that we bounce around. Um, and I love that. I love that uh, I'm recording in his home right now and it's it's putting me on my A game. Um, I don't hang my hat on having a political podcast. I try not to make my podcast uh, political. But if the guest I'm interviewing is influenced by politics or of their journey dabbles one way or another with politics it will come up i have no problem with that as long as it's non-confrontational and tasteful and respectful and i believe that that's what todd uh, embodies in his journey and in his conversation of course he's going to speak the truth uh and i i appreciated that listen his uh his journey is remarkable and we're gonna really start getting more into some personal things here we talk more about his family we talk more about um his father and his mother we he even you know as you heard he kind of turns the tables and interviews me he even does that a little bit more we talk about mental health and men uh we, listen the, the conversations that take place one uh once alcohol is involved not that we got trashed but you know you know how the spirits can enhance a conversation uh, spirits of course i'm referring to uh you know alcohol once that gets involved and anything's fair game so enjoy this second half of the conversation and i'll see you at the end let's get back talking with todd smith also think I have this like kind of ever-present sense of my own mortality because like my father was dead at a super young age gotcha. stepfather dead at a super young age you know my grandfather my pap who who helped raise me in the summer dead when I was a teenager at a young age uh and dead cancer young like all these you know things around me that I feel like I have only like this limited shelf life and I'm trying to hustle and do and do things and also also I think it's a bit of an insecurity because and I'm learning this later in life. Like my father, um, he died at, you know, 22 years old. Okay. And I don't have much other than like some new, like I think I told you this before we started, like newspaper clippings yeah. of him as a basketball player and um, like some photos. And then when I got close to, when I was almost 30, my kids started asking questions. About their daughter, grandfather? About their grandfather, yeah. Sure. And I didn't have a lot of answers. So my wife thought it'd be sweet to go to all my aunts and uncles Aww. and and have them give like a photo and some stories about my father. And he's 22 years old, mind you. Like, you know who you were at 22. Yeah. I was a fucking train wreck. Yeah. Three I was, times over. But we were babies at 22. 22 babies. Yeah. And, and you had two babies, like this man. Yeah. And partying still and, and crash his car debt, right? And so, um, you know, I just... Um, yeah, I'm sorry. We were talking about uh, um, your wife. What's your wife's name? Valerie? Oh, yeah. I'm so sorry. She, yeah, was, Valerie. Go, she was going yeah, around. Yeah so, 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 yeah. so she was like going and compiling these stories sure. and pictures. And I got it. And the book was like super sad, man. It was like pessimistic. Okay. It wasn't positive. Okay. 
What, what, what was it that was pessimistic? <sighs> just the feeling you got? Or so what? I'll share. Like, so, you know, my, uh, well, it was just the way they, that he was. Remembered. Remembered. Okay. Because he was so young, he was a knucklehead. It was like stories about him doing donuts. Got you, in the got front you. of this person's yard. The other story, you know, from my aunt who was a who was like two years younger, it was like there was a story about how they found out that they had a half brother because my grandfather was like a philanderer. Sure. And so like when they were in like fourth and sixth grade, they found out they had a fifth grade brother wow. or something like that. Like all these horrible stories. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking like shit, this guy was twenty two. If I checked out at twenty two, I'd have what? nothing good to share. I'd have okay. no no legacy. Did you find yourself understanding that 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 dynamic? You were up. Uh, you it were frustrated. Me. It, it upset me. It hurt were, me. I think. Sure, because but you were understanding at the same. Oh, time. Oh, totally understand. Right, like and and that was their reality. Like, yeah. They, and the other one was like um, they talk about him wearing Chuck Taylors. He always loved to wear Chuck Taylors. And the other thing is like he has really curly hair like me, and he always yeah. wears like beanie that he would pull over to try to straighten his curls. And it's crazy because, and I learned this in therapy, but as a grown ass man, you know, I'm a professional. Yeah. And I, I look down, I'm going to meetings and I got, I got bright red Chuck Taylors on my feet <laughs> and I'm showing up in a beanie, not caring yeah. at all. That this is my something executive that you've done indirectly. I had you no idea. Right. Yeah. I genuinely had no idea. And now I'm like, you know what? Like, I think it's, I think it's up to me to give that guy a legacy. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Because he didn't have it. He was, and he was smart. He was honor society athlete. Like, but good. he didn't have an opportunity to a, be in your that position we to talked go, about earlier? Yes, that small variance to sit like, there and go. Oh, he fucked up a little bit. He yeah. he went a little too far left or a little too far to the right. But he never had an opportunity to even say, "I I had, I, I had a moment where I fucked up." But look at me now. He never even had never that opportunity. Did. Yeah. So so I'm carrying that shit for him. That's there a torch that I'm proud, and I and seriously, I love came, that though. Dude. It came up completely indirectly. Like yeah. I had no idea I was even doing it. Yeah, and that's one thing. The other thing is like I'm spoiling my kids to death in sneakers. Their sneaker sure. game is wicked. Yeah, um, but that goes back. That goes back. My own insecurities, man. Yeah. I remember what that shit felt like. Yeah, you're trying to rag on me for my for my not even pro keds for my no keds. Like yeah. they didn't have a, they didn't have an <laughs> emblem on them, right? I never heard that way. Yeah, no keds. I just think I just made that up. I'm patenting <laughs> that shit. But but those things were important to me. No, but I get that. I, I I think as we get older, as adults, we all have what when it comes to moments that we remember as children. And when I talk to my kids, I'm like, you know, my kids act like I'm an alien that just came from somewhere. Right. And I'm like, dude, I know what Been it's like. Yeah, yeah, but I, there are moments where I'm like, um, you know, I go through a dynamic right now. My wife Alexandra and I were were co-parenting with my children's mom. Yeah. And her boyfriend. And they do things differently. Yeah. And they focus on other things that we don't. And I try to tell my kids, like, I have my way of spoiling you. You just don't see it now. Yeah. But you will when you're older. Like, I didn't have an in-ground pool. I had to go to Conestoga Pines Pool. Yeah, yeah. Or County Pool. Um. And now I'm like bitching that I have to fucking clean the pool. Yeah, you man. see what I'm saying? Like totally. I'm trying, I'm giving you things. I understand that. Like you, you want to give your kids the shit that struck a chord with you when you were little. Yeah. And it wasn't so much the pool, but it was like access to something 
like that. For sure. Let me have access to, we talk about my wife and I all the time, like, like our daughters, our little girls are growing up with this experience. Yeah. And so we want to make sure that they're appreciating it, yeah. but at the same time, holding them, their feet to the fire, so to speak, like this shit ain't easy. And yeah. you know what I mean? Like, and yeah, it's, it's, just, it's, it's a juggle. It's a juggling. Yeah, I, see, act. I see you do the juggle thing. That's what I was just about to say. It's a juggle because it, like, they didn't ask for it. No. They don't want the pool. Like, right. Maybe I'm sure they want the pool, but like, they didn't ask for that pool. And for us, it's like us, it's a little selfish. It's our way. Yeah, it's us. It's a little bit about us. And I'm, yeah. a, but you know what? Um, I'm selfish enough to not give a fuck. <laughs> but, that, but that's okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as long as you're maintaining like a balance, it's, you know. There's people that just go overboard and they just spoil their kids and there's no balance. Yeah, I, I, I can't you. imagine that you're just We're so blessing your children kids. with sneakers and, and then just being like, uh, whenever you need another pair, just let me know. There's 10 more. Ba- like there's a balance. Yeah. You got to You got to keep up. It's a contract. <laughs> I'm going to be that dad. As long as, as long as you keep up your end of the deal. Amen. Absolutely. Don't disrespect your mother. Don't disrespect me. Show gratefulness. Yeah. You know, show gratitude. Um, work hard in school. Show me that you have, that you know the, you know the formula. Yeah. The formula is the same regardless of what you call it. You call it a million different fucking things. You, you, it, it could be in the in the form of a business plan or, or the hustler's anthem. It doesn't. It's all the same principles. Have that. Show me. You know what it means to get up and and, and hustle harder than the next person, and take your lumps and sacrifice a little bit and yada yada yada. You can tell your why why why. But show me you have that in you, and I'll and I'll keep a mind of the body. Yeah, I'll keep absolutely. you looking fresh, and I won't challenge you too much on dumb decisions. And like, <laughs> right, let's right, do it. right. You know, I wish I had that. I also, I'm like now forty something years old. Thinking that it takes a long time to get to that point, but uh, yeah, man, that's the philosophy, right? Yeah, yeah. And you learn, even though you have an idea of how you want to go about things, like your upbringing and your experiences as a child sculpt the way you want to raise your children but even yet and still you still learn along the way you're still learning like okay this is not working even though i understand why i'm doing this the way that i'm doing this i need to adapt i need to like my daughter is very like um she's a feminist she says that and and there's things that i'm learning that's a different definition today than it was yeah just, just like 10 minutes ago. Well, I, dude, I, I said that and went, I hope I didn't offend anybody, but I'm just trying to be like honest. She says it's it. Scary, so I said, right? It's like I, this, it's I'm like, trying to pick up what she puts down along the way. And there's times where I'm like, Kirsten, I'm, I respect you and I'm following you, but you got to give me time. I come from a different era and I'm open minded. Yeah. That's the funny thing I is. Know. Because you can't convince You got a that. dad that's open-minded, and I'm trying to keep up with you. Yeah. You're moving too fast, and it's... But they'll, that's, they'll see it someday. But that's the that, that's the thing is, like, I know one day, God willing, right, that, that I can sit here, and she's got children, and my grandchildren are running around the house, yeah. and I can hear that. I, I, I see where thanks, you're... Where, yeah, yeah, I see where thanks, you're coming from. I love from you, man. You're and, so and smart. I think when it comes to, like, being a father, being a parent... Eventually, you're just looking for. I just want my kids well-rounded, strong, healthy. That I I get them to at least nineteen, twenty, and then by that point, no matter what I say, doesn't matter. Yeah. There's a. I always told my kids that I said I got you for this time. Yeah. 
once you get to and my daughter's already there and you realize like the the really like the eight to twenty doesn't even matter like you build their you build their course self yes in already eight years yeah life. absolutely and th- and that's the thing like I never understood until like as I got older uh-huh. like that's really the important that's where I needed to be and I was and I'm grateful like yeah. for both of them um my son went through uh, you know, his mother and I splitting up, he was six. So that that co-parenting back and forth dynamic, he was very, very young. My daughter was mature for her age. Yeah. So at 11 years old, she was already handling things like a 13-year-old would handle it. But and it's still hard. And all, but but very. You know, at the end of the day, I mean, I think, and I don't know shit. So, you know, this is just me prognosticating. Yeah. Um, you made a hard decision. Yeah. at the time to yeah. do what was right and it you you don't want life to be perfect and uneventful for your children right they they have to develop some level of resiliency right and i'm not saying everybody has to go through this experience or this experience but i'm saying like good parents have to teach their kids their to to survive and be resilient and yeah. be able to cope. And right now that shit is not happening. No, it's like not. Kids are buckling because you're you know such and such didn't like my photo. Like they're buckling. Yeah. Um, but they're watching their parents contribute to that mm-hmm. by by that that buckling under that. The parents are doing it. Yeah. That's weird. I never had that. Hit a pee really. Go pee, dude. Can we mark this? You should have good. told me that a while ago. Man. So far, man. I'm good, man. I'm going to use this opportunity quickly to shout out Todd in his beautiful home. Todd is using the restroom right now. And uh, while he's in the restroom, I'm just going to quickly shout out that he has a beautiful home. We are literally sitting in, uh, in a, it's a, I guess you could say a really unique, beautiful, dope-ass wine cellar. I mean, uh, my God, I want to take a picture and share it, hopefully, if he's okay with it. But we're recording this interview right here. Um, like I said, I'm having a, I got a Moscow mule full of some ginger concoction. It's wonderful from Lancaster Distilleries. Shout out to Lancaster Distilleries. Hold on a minute here. This is what the Journeyman Chronicles does. It will show up and it will document. Hold on, I'm going to take another sip. It's a nice little break here. All right. Let's Let's do one more. Yeah, absolutely. Salute. Cheers, buddy. Oh, yeah. Forgive me. Oh, you know what? One second. I forgot to do this. Watch my fancy. What's that? What I do want to do is throw a, uh, like, a little TV on. Oh, hell yeah. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you smoke cigars? Um, not really. Yeah? Because this would be like... No, It's got the little wine chiller that I think actually will pull out smoke. I was wondering what that was. Is that what that is? I was like, is that a fucking humidor? I was like, is this a... No. I don't smoke cigars. I fucking smoke cigars. Do you? Let me tell you something. The people that I know smoke cigars, they smoke the shit out of some cigars. Yeah. Why do you do it? My wife and I both. Yeah? Yeah, I well, I used to no, I don't. don't I I tried it. Yeah. Okay, so I have a story. Let me hear. I'm gonna share the story. story. I won't. 
I won't mention the Can name. Can we like make thing. sure that we get like a fresh cut? Hold on. And rolling. And rolling. Um, Tell me who it was. Lewis. Okay. Uh, yes. <laughs> so my cousin Lewis. I'm hating on Lewis my, right now, by the my way. Co- what's that? Lewis is in like, what the, does, when does he fucking sell houses? <laughs> Lewis. Uh, I don't know. I don't when know. When do you sell houses, man? I don't, I don't know. What, the he, fuck you, what, what island are you on right now? Tra- I think he's in Greece right now. Is is he at Medellin? <laughs> the fuck's he? At? And why didn't I get invited to that party? My cousin. Okay, so I'm don't 20, take that I'm out tw- either. I'm, I'm 29. No, I won't. I'm going to carefully edit that, but I won't take it out. And long story short, so I'm 29, and um, I'm talking with him, and I'm uh, I'm like, he's coming over for. I'm having a party at the house. And I'm drinking and I'm like, you know, I haven't, I've never smoked weed. I said, I've never smoked, but I never got high. I'm going to be 30. Let me try it. Really? Yeah. Wow. So he goes, okay. It was a huge mistake. I think I smoked weed with your cousin Lewis at that point. Probably a few dozen times. Oh man. But I remember smoking it with him and I slowly felt myself going and it, which was cool. And then I became very, very paranoid. And I thought, literally thought, and I remember this, I thought the Secret Service was in civilian clothing around my house watching me. And I was trying to hide. I'm so sorry that happened. And uh, I was staggering. That's the worst. And and he was like with me. And uh, I was starting to embarrass him (laughs) because he was like, he was like, yo, we're in front of your house. You're embarrassing me. And I'm like, I can't move. I was stuck to a tree. (laughs) And then I finally made it inside like an hour later. And uh, I felt myself getting ready to throw up. I had to rush outside. What are you drinking to? Vomit. I was. Yeah. See? And I remember somebody telling me. Yo, you've been drinking beer. I wouldn't yeah, start smoking. Yeah, you can't smoking. do it, and man. I, you got you to you yeah. taste the version. But I've had several moments after that. Uh, and, I, and, and I somewhat enjoyed it, but it just, I couldn't find my, I couldn't, I, I never felt like I benefited from it. And I was like, eh, yeah. it's just not me. I don't, I don't like the smell of it, personally. <sighs> but with cigars, yeah. like I used to smoke cig- cigarettes. And then I quit. I quit seven years ago, October. So I guess was I'm that, coming up. That was hard. It was impossible to do that. I'll be honest with you. It was never difficult to stop. I just would get bored uh-huh. and I would find myself in a, in a, like I'd be out with the guys if, when I did, when I did go out with the guys and we'd be out drinking and I would smoke a yeah. cigarette. I'd bum one off of somebody after eating, but really I just quit and I, that yeah. was it. I just, Got tired of my clothes smelling like cigarettes, but cigars was like a once in once in a while more sophisticated, and I don't mind the smell of it. Even when, even the next day when I like do my laundry and I'm like, I smell the cigars. I got a I got a candle upstairs. It's in my office called the Cigar Lounge. Does it smell like cigars? It's supposed to. It really doesn't smell like shit. I think it was like at the Dollar General, <laughs> but still, the intent was there. The intent for it to smell like a cigar lounge was there. <laughs> <laughs> I think anybody that tries to to incorporate the smell of a cigar into a candle needs to just stop. We're going too far. Yeah. I mean, how do you make that happen? You don't. You mm-hmm. just don't do smoke it. Smoke a cigar. Just hang out with somebody that smokes a cigar. <laughs> I'll stop come over, over to your house. Stop making it I'll so fucking cigar. complicated, America. <laughs> just smoke a cigar. Just light a cigar up and the mission accomplished. 
Yeah. Way to go. Yeah, I smoke cigars and... Um, and you can invite Felix over. And invite me over. I'll smoke a nice stick. It's about a half hour smoke. You know, just leave me alone. Give me the TV remote. You yeah. Know. Um, so let's wrap this up because... Um, there's a lot that we covered and a lot that you shared. And one of the things that I'm, I keep going back to is uh, there's a couple of things. Obviously we talked about the chip on your shoulder and how that's incorporate, that's incorporated itself <laughs> in your life and, and different avenues. You're that's pre- it's present and it's obvious, but also you're very, it's uh, when it comes to the topic of mental health, that's you're passionate about that. And you're also surrounding yourself with people that are also passionate about the well-being of people yeah and their mental health and that's a priority prioritizing that is important to you yeah so i mean i'll get i'll get right to the core of it so i firmly believe that um mental health is at the core of all societal ills Mm. and i'm i'm talking like uh alcohol abuse substance abuse, um, problems with homelessness, uh, you know, imprisonment and, and recidivism rates, you know, and I say that because like 46% of people in jail are, have post-traumatic stress disorder. If you didn't have it going into jail, you're for damn sure Sure. experiencing some kind of traumatic event while you're there. And, you know, without a doubt, there is this ripple effect, you know, that stems from, People who, you know, have these kind of underlying experiences as children or mental health disorders. And I I feel like when we start talking about physical health as a country, like COVID, we didn't respond well to COVID. A lot of people are out of shape. Why are they out of shape? Their physical health. Well, because of decisions we make. Yeah. And because of habits we develop based on our mental health. Like it's mind, body, soul for a reason. The mind is first. Like if we're not addressing, if we're not at least aware of why we're making the decisions we make, if we don't even care about why we do the things the way we do or, or, or how we, you know what I'm saying? If we don't care about that, then it gets scary. Like if we're not, if we don't care as a country about the divisiveness and about what social media is creating in terms of isolation, because isolation alone contributes to, to mental health disorders. You know, if you get, mm. if you're isolated and many, sure. pe- many people were yeah. during COVID, like all those things, if, if we really want to have an honest conversation, genuinely right now at this point in time, coming out of COVID, you think about all the people that were involved in treating those that had COVID, the first responders, yeah. you know, healthcare workers. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of things that are influencing our mental health today. Right? I think we can all align on that as like a genuine Absolutely. Yeah, as a genuine fact. Um it's like a it's like a downward cycle. We gotta do something because things aren't getting easier. We're continuing to get more and more isolated. Um, over the next couple of years, we're going to lose like 40% of the mental health, um, healthcare practitioner workforce. So like psychiatrists are aging out, therapists are aging out, let alone like there's really shitty reimbursement on, from, uh, the payer side of things, the insurer side of things. So a lot of the remaining folks that work in that field are, you know, just going cash pay 
which mm. then isolates an entire subset of the population yeah. based on economic factors, right? Again, I go back to my point earlier, like minorities are disproportionately affected by this. If we want to have an honest conversation about being a united country, like let's do the root cause analysis. Let's like really go through the process and yeah. identify what's at the core of our societal woes. And it's, we're not, you know, we're not in a good place mentally. We don't have all the resources we need. There's very little advancements in, in pharmacologic treatment. All that shit is real. And I'm afraid if we don't do something about it, we're going to reach that like point of no return. Mm. You know, because we have all, like think about your children. Think about kids, how much they rely on like the serotonin tick from a like on Instagram or TikTok or whatever, sure. whatever it may be. Like we're, we're just, you know, our attention spans are shrinking. I'm not trying to say this sound like an old fuddy-duddy. I'm just saying like no. once we're aware of what's impacting us and once we're, we're cognizant enough of what's going on, we can make better decisions. Sure. Right now we're not. My kids, there's certain things that they're really good at. There's certain things that they just can't cope with. And I blame it purely on like social media. Okay. I do. And um, I'm not even like, I mean, they all have social media. No, like, I hear maybe, you, I hear you, you can't keep them away from it because that's where their sure. social lives are. And it just is really important to me because like if, if, if we could really call a timeout and everybody took off their mad faces yeah. for a second <laughs> and we had an honest conversation about how we like improve, we got to heal. You know, we got to heal coming out of COVID we got to heal from all this like divisiveness, like this angry. I mean, we're watching like the most traumatic events in the world on TV at this point on little screens. Yeah. You know, um, the most horrible, like George Floyd, for example. Yeah. That, which took place during the pandemic. During the pandemic. We're isolated. We don't have people like we can't like right. socialize and process these moments in a real healthy way. We can't. We didn't do it. Like, let's take a moment, call timeout get our take our mad faces off and be like listen this shit is give ourselves we should all give ourselves a little space and go and we should all give ourselves an opportunity to like um forgive ourselves right and to release a little shame and say you know what you might have drank a little extra you might have smoked a little bit too much herb out your bathroom window yeah um you might have made some bad decisions but we are dealing with some really fucked up circumstances yeah. And like, you know, your everyone's situations are same way I talked to you about earlier about like the disparities between like the working white man, the working black man. Sure. And like those kind like we got we gotta all like acknowledge each other. It's hard. Shit is hard. It's really fucking hard. And that goes back to upbringing because a lot of people are built to think a certain way because of the way they're brought up. Right. Which was already done. And we should. Like religion, politics, it's all very personal because we yeah. usually got it from our dad or we got it from yeah. whoever. And, and so like, if I tell you your politics are wrong, you're like, I'm mm -hmm. telling you your dad's an idiot or right. whatever the, you know, sure. and then you get, and then you go one step deeper. Well, the reason your dad feels this way is because of his circumstances and you go one step deeper and blah, blah. Like there's always like, let's get to the root cause of shit sure. and not be simple. Yeah. We're, we're being too simple. We're not being thoughtful. We're not being intellectuals anymore. We've given up on all that shit. And I'm saying like every once in a while, you know. Get with some people that you don't know and, and maybe pass a joint around and you'll learn a lot. <laughs> Why not, right? It's important, man. I'm not condoning. I'm not certainly not encouraging that. Maybe I just did. It sounded like it, but... Um, but there's no judgment here. 
Thank all you. the Journeyman Chronicles. I mean, thank you. There shouldn't be. There's no none at all. Because we're on the journey. Absolutely. We have no idea where we're fucking going. However, you decide to embark on said journey. Yeah. Is your prerogative. But like, don't do it in a way that inhibits other people's journey. Here, I'm on some Zen shit. I just did Zen for men with Handy. You know Handy? Yeah, I do. I just, like, I'm really trying to meditate. Shout out to Handy Cuevas, by the way. I fucking love Handy. Can yeah. we talk about Handy? He's a yeah, special let's do dude, it, man. man. I love that guy. That guy's been through it. He's like, he, you know what? Him and I have been in this room multiple times. Yeah. And Handy pulls no punches. Because he's like my therapist sometimes. <laughs> he pulls no punches. And he, he's so wise. Yeah, he's been like that since I've known him for about 10 years, I think, maybe. 10, 12 years. He's been through a couple things in life and he's yeah, just, sure. he's just, I appreciate his friendship. And he's consistent. He just keeps, he's, he's and he doesn't there. take your bullshit. Right. Absolutely. He'll be like, thank you. That's great for all your excuses. But here's like, here's the real. Yeah. Here's what's happening. Yeah. And so I want friends like that around me. I want people like that. I'm ready to like, I told you, man, like this is my, uh, like well, moving, moving forward. Yeah. This goes back to your no bullshit. No more part of your life. You're, yeah, no more. And, and that goes to like I've I've done enough in my life and I've experienced enough with different people. Or I'm at the point now where I mean, if you're offended, I'm sorry, but I really I don't have time to even give a fuck about that. Yeah, and I, I definitely am not. That's not the intention. No, but but we gotta get smart. Yeah, we have. We got to. we gotta care about each other. We gotta stop. And I and here's the thing. I'm saying it, and there's people right now laughing at me because I've been on Facebook in 200 comment arguments. And I followed every single one of them. I'm like, yeah. but I, but I was like, in my yeah, mind, like, yeah. I'm honorable. I'm fucking right. I'm right. But it's my perspective. But you're also, and, just, and I was never insulting but, other people. And that's what I was getting ready to say. And just to piggyback off of that was that you were always, um, you were always to the point, to your point, without being offensive. You were always understanding somewhat, yeah. but very clear that your point was what you were focusing on. And I never thought I never thought that that was ever out of pocket, um, but but obviously you, you took a step away from from doing that. It's because the work I'm doing now yeah. is, is very political. Like yeah, launching absolutely. the uh, you know there's a huge government affairs component to it. Sure, I just wanna I just wanna do it right. I feel like a tremendous obligation to launch this product in a way that's like honorable to the people that have worked on it. For I can years. tell just when you talk about it, it seems you're very passionate about it. Yeah, and it's important because there's nothing else. Like there's nothing else on the agenda to help mental health disorders. When we're talking about mental health and how passionate you are and and how that bleeds into everything that you're doing, um, it really comes back to and I've been. As we're talking, and I say this in every interview, and, it, and I'm not trying to make this like a, faca- uh, a cliche thing that I say, but it's, it just happens to be the truth is that I'm listening to everything you're saying. And I keep going back to um, the the presence that your mom had in your life and the role model that she became for you. You said that she hustled. Um, she obviously didn't stay stay stagnant, which is why. And she loved and hard. She, she and loved she, me hard as shit. Like and she, we, there's, she she was just so supportive. Yeah, and that show that that is what 
you're radiating that as we're talking. You don't stay stagnant. You're loving hard. You mentioned uh, being empathetic, sympathetic, understanding, um, embracing. You know, we talked about getting our arms around things and trying to understand the other side. Um, speaking for the underdog. These are all things that stem back, in my opinion, just from our conversation. Yeah, Dr. Stem Flex, back to, sure. to what you experienced with your mom. And I think when you asked me about my story and I said, my mom, it's that was the one thing I, I immediately recognized in your story. It was like um, the strength of a woman is something that I've brought up several times. Do you feel that that has what put you in your place to be somewhat understanding? I know you don't want to say that you, you that you can understand and relate to all walks of life, but you are in the you put yourself in a position where you're willing to hear and listen and reach out. No doubt, man. I, I, um, I don't know where it comes from, but there's a term called the divine feminine. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And I, I don't mean, know where that, I never heard that before in my life, but I, I love that. The first time I heard it, I took it like as a sexual way, which maybe <laughs> I do sometimes, to, but, but ultimately we're all getting deep and then you throw that in. There. I know I fucked it up. <laughs> Shit. Can you cut that? So I could. And actually there's this concept called the divine feminine. Oh, and I think to me, it's like, uh, and this is some old man language, yeah. but, um, you know, there's this interconnectedness yeah. that's really real. And, uh, if we don't start recognizing the importance of one another mm. and, and being empathetic and understanding the plight of one another, um, we're going to keep on this journey that we're already on. But if we like take a moment, I think it starts with recognizing the divine, you know, the feminine mm-hmm. as being like the kind of the yin yang, the TikTok, the whatever the, the other side, like we got to respect women in a certain way. And that doesn't mean like, that doesn't mean allow for bullshit or that doesn't mean like no. allow for nonsense or like, Cause that's the hard thing. Cause you know, there's this whole, like the me too movement. You know, like there's, there's, there's a certain baseline. There's a certain reference point that we got to start at. And, and that is different for different people. And what I'm saying by the divine feminine is like, um, recognizing the importance and the only way to kind of this like peaceful pathway forward is if there's like a balance and we recognize one another and it doesn't mean you over engineer one side of the thing or over engineer the other thing, or you get like two your pennies in a bunch because of somebody said this thing. Like we got to be really yeah. honest about it yeah. and the way we treat each other. And we can't all have like this cancel culture bullshit is terrible. We're never going to yeah. evolve. It's, yeah. it's horrible. This with Al Franken, remember Senator Al Franken, that shit pisses me off to this day. Okay. When he's like posing as a comedian, this is when he's on Saturday Live. He's posing, pretending to like grope a a, um, a female soldier that's in a flak jacket. Like there's like light, there's literally, you know, Kevlar between his hands, and it's. But understand, you know, there's this new filter that we look at everything through, and I just want all that shit to go away, and I want us to recognize like the divine feminine is like we got to have true partnerships, we got to really genuinely um, love and respect one another. And in order for that to happen, there's like a lot of forgiveness and a lot of healing that has to occur at the, okay. at the root of all of us. Yeah. 
you know, women and men. Yeah. Cause there's also women that feel a certain way about men because of like the way their fathers treated them or what they witnessed from their own fathers growing up. And so there's this, uh, unity that has to occur at some point sure. and not to be too like, you know, um, you know, I'm not trying to wax poetic, but I think for me, I wasn't very good. I have, you know, a single mother and four sisters. Sure. Okay. And so you were I, surrounded by so women no at a young age. And like the first I had, you know, two nieces, I, I, there was four cousins before or six cousins before I had the first boy. Okay. So it was all, it was all women yeah. around me. And, um, like I said, it's not perfect. I'm not saying like we acquiesce or we defer, but there's gotta be, we gotta come back to some kind of normalcy yeah, yeah, and yeah, start yeah. like connecting on a real human being level. Yeah. And like, ex- and expect and appreciate and respect each other's, um, screw ups right? and imperfections. And I don't know, I feel like I'm getting no, I, a little bit like, I uh, hear what you're saying. You're, you're, you're uh, I'm assuming what you're saying is that the, that there needs to be a balance like, um, between both, be, be, between both, um, sides of whatever debate there is. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much what we're talking about yeah, here for is, sure. is an understanding of both sides um, the cancel culture bullshit I'm completely on board with and, and I will admit full disclosure. Are you thankful for Dave Chappelle? I'm, I am. I, I, I am. I think I'll appreciate it more in the future and yeah. I'm admitting that. Yeah. I think I'm having a hard time. I'm, I'm appreciating it but also I think I find myself kind of like ugh. Yeah. And then kind of like I screwed up because you were saying something. This is my argument. I I I'm so sorry. No, 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 no. No, no. Uh, it, but but it was along what, what I'm I'm yeah. talking about is that cancel culture bullshit in line with the Dave Chappelle's of the world where I'm like I don't think I'm I I know for a fact that I'm not at the uh, I'm not educated enough to really involve my voice in that conversation. So I take a step back and I really observe. Yeah. Um and so what I'm watching like with when you mentioned Dave Chappelle like I have no problem listening to what he says and understanding it, but then I also have no problem understanding the other side. Yeah, it's true. And so I, I take a step back. And, and I shouldn't say that in a way that's insensitive like to transgender population. I'm uh, just saying I'm I, glad oh, I didn't, there's I didn't a think guy. That at all. I, I didn't because I didn't think about that specifically. But there he does needs target. to be that. And we need it. We need to spotlight the bullshit. Right. And the thing is, though, is that it's it's if you listen to someone like Dave Chappelle, he's he is. In my opinion, he's actually supportive of transgender, and su- he's just giving you an authentic stance from his perspective. And he's a comedian, yeah. and that I think that's the Joker card. Yeah. Is like, keep in mind he's a comedian. Yeah, for sure. We can't hold. I don't think anybody you can hold comedians to the fire. Like there needs to be a point where you're like it's a fucking joke. But I, know. I also understand. Yeah. Where people stand, and so I take a step back, and I listen. But it's such a hard. Line. It is. It is. Can I ask you one question? Yeah, go for it. Tell me. Tell me. Can you give me your like play by play perspective of why Will Smith behaved the way he behaved? I just want to hear what you think happened. Oh, what, what was what was underlying? All here's that? the first. Okay, so I'll give you my. Okay, here, here's my first reaction. What the fuck is going on? And then when I watched it, I was like. Genuinely, yeah. What the fuck is Will Smith fucking doing? Yeah, I I didn't understand it. And then what happened? And then I thought to myself, 
is this shit fucking staged? I was that guy. Yeah. I went through all different phases. What was your most recent emotion? Uh, my most recent emotion, I still fall back on, what the fuck are you doing, Will? I really do, personally. Yeah. What the fuck? Can I tell you what? I, can I give you my whole Yeah, go on for it? it. I don't know where this falls on the podcast. <laughs> this this is the it. appendix. This is... This is like a section B <laughs> of the appendix to part that only Felix and I are going to listen to. And just because Felix has to, I'm going to listen to it. I think it means something. No, go, go, go. I'm listening right now. <laughs> but I think, um, you know, I, w- I love Will Smith. Yeah. Like, grow- I mean, he's like, he's what you aspire. Right. Like, he created this thing, whatever it was, uh, this amazing career. But he started to get like uh, chipped away at by his wife. She's talking about Tupac. Sure, you know, sure, she's ta- sure, sure. She's emasculating him a little bit. Sure, okay. Um, and you know, then well, what was his name? August Alcina. Yeah, August, whatever. Yeah, August she had a little. Theme, whatever. Well, I forget what even the term was. Indiscretion. What was it? The song. Was Transgression. Song. Transgression. Yeah, there's a tra- whatever. So all that happened. Um, and she was always kind of unable to give him like the full endorsement sure just like you know who else does it uh john legend's wife what's her name christine uh um, christine something yes yeah. tegan chrissy tegan, tegan yeah Christy, i feel yeah. like she always she just can't give him his due gotcha right and she always just chips away a little bit of the ego yeah. like even if it's a parting shot yeah and so eventually that shit builds up. Oh, you want to, you're trying to emasculate me. Yeah. You're trying to chip away, but, 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 you know, you're, you're doing this, you know, you're having transgressions. You're talking about yeah. Tupac in interviews recently. I'm about to show you that. Yeah. I'm about to remind you. I'm about to remind the world. It's funny you bring that up because there, there was a part of me now that, now that we're talking because, and, and I'm not one to really dive into this and maybe I will one day. Um, but I know what that's like to be chipped at. Yeah. Okay. So when there's I, a breaking when point, I, right? there, oh my god, there is a breaking point, and what that feel I, like? I, I that guess like? I guess when I looked at him, when I looked at him within that context, I went, okay, I get it. Um, and then like he released that apology like three Whack. weeks ago, yeah. and I was like, what the fuck? Like, but I will admit, he's charming. One hundred, one hundred percent. I was like, I'm over it. Yeah. I'm done. Really and awesome. and I think that's where I'm at with a lot of this shit where I'm like, I, if you're not, this goes back to you being, when you said, if I don't fuck with you and we can't keep it a hundred, I move on. Yeah. I don't give me lip service. Mm-hmm. And when I saw that, I was like, okay, I see what, where you're, you're just, it's the lip service. I'm, I'm not buying yeah, it. Yeah. You look at the guy different. Yeah. Tell me about your moment. I mean, you don't have to give any details, but like. No, oh, no, I had plenty of moments. There, I, I, and I, yeah. I, I just want to know. No, like, it's all good. What, I, how you handled? Okay, so, and uh, I appreciate Being that. Away. I appreciate that, and and this is the first time I'm talking about this, and I've been very selective because of my children, but I will say that I was chipped at, and as I, as I look at things now, I know that there are things that maybe I could have done differently, but I never thought I deserved to be chipped at, and I'm going to use the word chipped at. Yeah. Okay. I'll take it. Um, and and the reason why I say chipped at is because it, it, there's different levels to it. It's the you know, um, I I was never I'm not the kind of person, and I don't have this in my in my marriage now, which mm-hmm. I'm grateful for, where you and I have a problem in our relationship, 
So I'm going to walk away because I'm, I don't know how to explain myself. And when I try, it makes it worse. Let me walk away. But now you're going to follow me. Hmm. I don't like that. You see what I'm saying? And I've had moments where I was followed and then it escalated. Nothing violent, but I'm talking like my anger, my yelling. You're not given a chance to breathe. Yeah. And I, and I, and then of course I'm like, man, now I, I regret saying things because of course I was angry and I was never given space. Um, but it was, it's the, it's that shit the way, but this goes back to the mental health that you're t- we were talking yeah. about is this affects if, if you really want to dive deep into it for, and I'm speaking from a male's point of view, from a men's point of view, it, the mental health of a man who's trying to do the right thing and remain steadfast and gets chipped away. That shit will fade away mm-hmm. where the stoic man that you rely on to take it is gone. Yeah. And there's different ways that the plays out. It, it, it can be not so good. Or it, you know, it, it can be violent. It can be sad. It can be, it's uh, the, it's the most that the man can do to survive in those circumstances a lot of times. Right. And it's, and hopefully well, violence is never at first. Of all, let me say no, that. it never, violence is never, uh, there's never a reason. for That's that. what I was getting ready to say was, is it's not okay. It plays games on you. Yeah. Um, Mental health wise. Yeah. Um, to the point where you start doing dumb things. And so when I saw you, want, you Smith, wonder who you are, I, well, you have other people talking about you enough. You start to wonder who you are. I'll, I'll say, I'll say this. And I only told certain people this. Um, New Year's Eve, 2013. That's when every, I was already in the middle of my, what the fuck is going on in my life? And, um, I looked in the mirror and I could see my reflection talking back to me. Yeah. Literally. And I was like, I'm, I'm not here. Um, and that's that night is when I tried, or I was going to attempt to try to take my life, but I didn't because I kept thinking about my daughter and my son. Um, and so when I say the reflection was talking to me, it's the one and only time in my life where I experienced it, mm-hmm. that something's not right. I'm I'm checking out. And so that makes you wonder, like the mental the effects on mental health. And that's over time. Yeah. It's not like when people do dumb things. It's yeah. But when I saw Will Smith do what he did, I was like, what the fuck, Will Smith? But when we talk about like. He could be she, under some she, shit. She chipped away at him. It 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 doesn't it doesn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But also like because because he's at the level that he is, I have to be like, all right, well, because I was surrounded by it, and no matter what you did, it was there. It was yeah. on every avenue of of social media. It was on the TV. Yeah. I, I, just, had, I, I had just to wish walk away from smoked it. a little pot that <laughs> and not have gotten so mad. Or at least when you apologize, just he misstepped in a big way. He misstepped, but I also feel like I think in I think years from now we'll be able to look at this moment and go, this is where we actually maybe started looking at yeah mental health in men. Yeah, maybe. For sure. Like, you know, like, can we start looking at this shit? Because 
things happen and it goes both ways i'm just speaking as a man yeah and the man and the man's point of view that's all um you know i i've never been in a position like that where i was tested and tested and i was like you're chipping away at me and i i feel like you're doing this on purpose so that mm. so that you have something to fall back on these are things that i start thinking of you know like because there are people that think like that and so I have to, I had to like start, excuse me, I had to start like, let me stay one step ahead of you here. You're not going to put how you want to live. Oh my God. No. It's horrible. At that time I was like on social media, like that was my journal. Uh-huh. And I'm looking back now, you know, you get your, your memories on Facebook oh, and yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh my God. Like I fucking delete that shit. Cause I don't it's need okay. to see it. But at that time I yeah. understood. So when people go through that now. I, I get it. Like yeah. I try not to be too judgmental, but when I see a celebrity like Will Smith, I'm like, you've put yourself in a position to be judged differently. Mm-hmm. Um, don't fuck it up. But I also understand that Will Smith is still there's a so man, many shades a human of gray, being. Man. Oh man, there's so many shades of gray. I think again, it goes back to understanding the different sides of the conversation. Uh, and, and this goes like women experience the same thing with men. I'm just I feel that also as men, we are expected to just suck it up and not talk about it. And yeah. that conversation, I think now is starting to change. Can, can I say something? Because I, you know, as we start to wrap it up, I think the one unanticipated consequence from today or, <laughs> or, or, or uh, outcome is the fact that we because I had no intention to talk about mental health. I really didn't. Oh, I I wanted to touch on it absolutely. Let, let alone men. Let alone yeah. in the current all the that was different. All, yeah. all the the swirling circumstances around it right now. Sure. I'm glad we I'm glad we had that conversation. Yeah. And I mean, hopefully, it like kind of perpetuate some other conversations that have to happen. They have to happen. It's important, especially with like. I, and, and this goes in line with wrapping it up, but like I con I, I talk about these things with my son, but also with my daughter. Yeah. You know, like the sons and the daughters, man. you have to have these conversations because, because patterns are set mm-hmm. and I'm as a parent in a position to be like, there are some good patterns I want you to continue. And there's some bad patterns that we need to squash right now. Yeah, no doubt. And that's hard. And, and the one thing that I try to preach now, and I think I probably preach it more for myself than for the kids, is that like every face, I you, told you that earlier. Yeah. I said it like multiple times in multiple speeches and, you know, things that I've done is like every face deserves the same amount of respect and weight that you give yourself. Right. You got to right. You got to start there. We're right. no important than the next person. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, man, how about this? Like at this point in the podcast, the first person to email me (laughs) that has listened this far is a true fan. And for that reason, I'm going to make you a t-shirt and a jacket. (laughs) I'm going to hand deliver you a cocktail. You got to email me at Todd at the sugar tank.com. If you're still listening, the first email I get that says flex is dope. No bullshit. I'm I'm gonna deliver a care package too. 
Care package will consist of a t-shirt that says Flex is dope, courtesy of Lancaster Distillery. And a cigar candle. And a cigar candle that may or may not smell like a cigar lounge. All right, well, Todd Smith, thank you very much for joining me on the Journeyman Chronicles. This has been a first experience for me, and I had a blast. Thank you for inviting me to your home, man. Thanks a lot. All right, that's it, brother. Cheers. Cheers. Salute. Hey, quick shout out to my boy Todd Smith for jumping on the Journeyman Chronicles, opening his door to his home. My friend, thank you so much. I had a blast. Uh, Over a barrel was Todd's suggestion. That's what we were doing. Uh, We covered a lot of different topics. A lot of boundaries were pushed. And I wish my friend Todd a lot of luck and what he's about to do. This is some groundbreaking work in regards to the uh, pharmaceutical psychedelics. Just some crazy shit. Listen, Todd, thank you again for joining me. I had a blast. Next week, I'm talking to the one and only Evita Colon. I got to Zoom with her. We we chopped it up for about an hour. We talked about Speak to My Soul, the work that she does as a poet, and so much more. So please, next week, tune in episode 46. Until then, remember to maintain focus and stay continuous through all four seasons. Cop yourself a JMC shirt and a hoodie at jmcpod.com. All right, guys. My name is Felix C. Arroyo, and these are the Journeyman Chronicles. Y'all be safe.